morning, everybody. How are we doing? Children, you guys can be dismissed to Children's Church. I did that right, didn't I? Is that good? Okay. Hey, my name's Carlton. How you guys doing? Good. Um, just to let you know uh, a little bit about me before we get started. I am one of the family group leaders. Uh, we meet on Sunday nights because I'm a good Baptist. <laughs> yeah, y'all got to keep up this morning. It's going to be quick. Um, I, a good Baptist does this a lot. Uh, so... I've been in ministry uh, ever since I was 21 years of age, so I was a youth pastor for like 20-some years. I was a senior pastor for like five or six years, uh, and now my ministry uh, specifically revolves around home improvements. All right. <laughs> I work at Home Depot. Okay, so uh, that's what's going on in my life. I, I, the opportunity to communicate, the opportunity to preach is always one of those ones that is overwhelming. And... Uh, when you come about preparation, uh, when you come about study and you're looking at the word, um, it can be one of those things that can be, uh, it can be scary. Uh, it can be like literally shaking. And every time I do, every time I communicate, it's one of those things because I want to do justice to what's written. Of course, I can't because I'm a human and it's God's word. But uh, we are in the book of Hebrews. If you've got your Bibles, turn to Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to be looking at verses 23 through 28 this morning. And we have been in the book of Hebrews for, what, uh, 16 years now? Uh, it's been a while. But we are a church that we preach and communicate expositorily. That's a word. Can I use that? We'll use that. So we go verse by verse by verse by verse. And we deal with the verses um, because it doesn't matter. It's God's word, all of it. Okay, Even the commas, even the notes, even the table of contents. It's God's word, right? Come on, that's a joke. Wake up. All right. So everything here that we do focuses on the study of God's word, how it applies, and how we are to apply it. Uh, so we've been in the book of Hebrews, and what is the theme of the book of Hebrews? Anybody remember? Okay. Jesus is greater than. Okay. So we began in the book of Hebrews studying, and we have to do context. If you don't look back, I could say some really weird stuff. Okay, And you'd just be like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. We want to make sure we're in context with what's being said. The book of Hebrews is about Jesus being greater than. And literally, the author, the sermonizer that goes through this whole book, is trying to point to the fact to the Jews who are living in Rome, who are under a great deal of persecution and getting ready to go into a season of even more persecution, that Jesus is greater than the old ways. Imagine somebody coming to you and saying, listen, all that you've known all your life is but a shadow. It's but a reflection of what really is. And all of a sudden, your life is turned upside down because now the faith that you had originally has been illuminated. Now that you see the Messiah is Jesus Christ and he changes everything. And as you look at everything from the Old Testament that you've learned about the law, that you've learned about tradition, that you've learned about this, is completely different than you thought it was because Jesus had to come and tell everybody, no, you missed it. So everything has changed. They've lost family. They've lost possessions. They've lost status. And now many of them are thinking, hey, is this worth it? Is this Jesus thing worth it? Or do I need to really just kind of go back to the old ways? And so the entire book of Hebrews, the author is going, no, the former things are not better than what is. Jesus is greater than Melchizedek. Jesus is greater than this person, this person, this situation, this situation, all the way through. So we come to Hebrews 11, which is about what? It's the hall of faith. 
Hall of Fame, Hall of Faith. And now the author is changing things up to say, hey, all the things that were were a shadow of what's to come. What's to come has come. That's Jesus. And because of that, you can trust that he's greater than and live your life according to that. But here is a synopsis, a picture of men and women who had faith in the Old Testament that Jesus was coming. These are the examples that we follow. And so we've looked at a bunch of them. And now we get to one of the main staples of the Old Testament, Moses. Okay? Now, this is not for you younger crowd. Y'all ain't going to get this. For you older crowd, when you hear Moses, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Beard. Beard, okay. All right? Somebody a little older. Sorry, not that you don't count. Not enough gray, okay? Or not, not enough gone, okay? <laughs> Every Easter, what comes on TV? The What? Ten Commandments. Every time I hear Moses, whose picture jumps into my, my memory? Charlton Heston. And then this one always killed me. The guy that they had playing, the Jewish guy who was actually under the Egyptian, was Ed, what was his last name? Ed Begley. He was the guy who did all of the gangster movies in the 20s and 30s. And he was like, yeah, yeah, that's the way you do it, yeah. And they played him as a Jewish guy, which was hilarious. Because every time he'd be like, yeah, you're not going to do that, are you, Moses? Nah, nah. And I'm like going, that's funny. I don't care who you are. So that is my picture. Every time I think of Moses, I go back to the Ten Commandments. I go back to Charlton Heston, okay, who was, you know, phenomenal actor in that, that role. Um, so we go back to this. Now we're studying the life of Moses and how by faith Moses lived. So before we get there, I know I've kind of set up a lot here, but before we get there, let's pray as we get started into the word. Father, your word is the truth. That the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. So as we study scripture this morning, allow it to study us. Don't let the words that I say confuse people. The Holy Spirit move in such a way that you craft the words so that it speaks directly to our souls so that we realize what you're revealing to us. And as a part of that revelation, may we respond. May we act in obedience as, as Moses did. So give wisdom to the communicator. Give attention to the hearers. And Father, open up the hearts that your word would find fertile soil to land on. And, and Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. Here's what it says, Hebrews chapter 11, 23 through 28. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called a son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Verse 26, he considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. And verse 28, by faith, he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch him. So we, we see by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. 
When you think of Moses, and, and just to give you some background, um, one of my good friends, uh, he should be a rabbi. Uh, Moshe is brilliant. Uh, he's one of our instructors in, in self-defense that we take. But Moshe is from the tribe of, he's, he's a Jew, so he's Jewish, and he's from the lineage of Aaron, so he's priestly. And so when Moshe talks, it's just one of those things you're just like, you're so brilliant. I mean, and, and it's amazing to hear him teach and communicate. But uh, one of the things that we were talking about with Moshe is, um, you know, he, he would always refer to Moses. And when he referred to Moses, he, he would say something in, in, in fact of Moses, our lawgiver, Moses, our lawgiver, Moses, our lawgiver. So when you hear the word Moses, especially in the Jewish community, you don't think of a man of faith. You think of a man of the law. Because what was one of Moses' greatest accomplishments? He was considered by all Jewish people as the giver of the law, Ten Commandments, right? Okay? And so when a Jew would look at Moses, they would see him as the lawgiver, the lawgiver. Now, when a Jew would look at Abraham, what would he descend Abraham as? A man of what? Faith. So Christians and Jews look at Moses as a lawgiver, and they look at Abraham as a man of faith. And so the Jews would put Moses on a higher pedestal, and the Christians would put Abraham on a higher pedestal. But here's the thing you have to understand. There's no way Moses could have been the lawgiver without having what? Faith. And so a lot of times, uh, we, we look at Moses, and we put Moses on this pedestal of lawgiver, lawgiver, lawgiver. We forget for him to be that person. For God to use him in that way, he had to be a person of what? Faith. That's why he's in Hebrews 11, the hall of faith. So sometimes when you look at an individual, you look at a certain situation or circumstance, many times we miss it. Have you ever been there where you, you saw somebody or you met somebody and you're like, this person is this way, and then you get to know them and you're like, no, I completely missed that. They're over here. They're this way. Um, this is one of those stories that sometimes I don't want to tell, but it's a good example. Um, when I first started out in ministry, there, there are a lot of friends that I made and a lot of connections I made. Um, Bill Hughes, uh, the redheaded wonder, um, and we've got a connection because we actually interned under Bill. It's crazy how this connection works, okay? So um, there's a couple in the back that they interned under Bill after I interned under Bill in youth ministry. Bill taught us all about youth ministry. Um, so we, we left from there, and I, I developed a friendship with a buddy of mine, and we'll call him, uh, we'll call him Robert. That's not really his name, but we'll call him Robert. Robert and I became really good friends. It's just to protect the innocent and blah, blah, blah. So Robert and I became really good friends in and, and, and youth ministry. We did youth ministry together. We spoke. We traveled all over the, you know, uh, the southern United States and doing speaking and conferences and stuff. And so Robert and I were really good and became best friends. Okay. Um, so this friendship was, and when I say a friendship, I'm talking about from the time I was probably 23 till almost 40. Like this. And then some things started coming out uh, that he had gone through a divorce and there were some things that had gone on. That, that were, and then all of a sudden I started getting phone calls from different people. Things weren't adding up. So um, Robert and I had a conversation. I said, what's going on with this? And he said, oh, man, it's just this, 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 and this, and this. I'm, I'm stressed about this, this. So literally, after a series of about eight months to nine months, I had come to find out that Robert had lied to me about everything he had ever told me. He lied to me about his family. He lied to me about many of the positions that he held. He lied to me about why he went through a divorce. He lied to me about 
ministry, which was crazy. Why would you lie about ministry? That was kind of one of those crazy things. He's like, and I'm like, okay, that's cool. And I'm like, okay. But this is weird stuff. So literally, my perception of this guy was he was this way, and he was completely different. He was completely opposite of what I expected. And when that flipped, it was such a crazy... Allison and I both were like, man, this is Jerry Springer. I mean, this is like, like, literally, I've never experienced something in my life like this. I thought of him one way, he was completely different. And I think a lot of times we think of Moses that way. We think of Moses as being cold, calculated. We think of Moses as being harsh. When Moses got mad, what did he do? He struck the stone with his stick. That's a guy thing, right? You get mad, you punch a hole in the wall. That's pretty much a guy thing. But you think about Moses in this aspect, as opposed to thinking about him the way he really was. I think when we start to look at it, there's two opposing ideas here. And so the rest of the time, we're going to talk about this Old, Te- Old Testament character ranked higher than anybody in the Old Testament. They look at Moses as being the, the epitome. And it's fair to say that Christians and Jews honored both Abraham and Moses, whereas the Jews tend to put Moses on a higher place and see Abraham as the one who just kept the law after Moses or before Moses. The Christians, with their emphasis on faith, preferred Abraham as he was exalted to a more high place, seeing him as the one who was the author of faith. Um, the author here is certainly interested in the way Moses exercised faith and gives five instances of faith in connection with the great lawgiver. So as we start out, we're going to look at verse 23. And I want you to look at this in terms of understanding that by faith, when Moses was born, he was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. This is very interesting because this isn't about Moses' faith. Who's it about? His parents. Now, I don't know where you are in the parent realm. Some of us are parents. Some of you are not parents yet. Some of us have parented. Now we have adults. Well, I don't have adults. Well, I got Elliot, but whatever. So you've, you've got adult kids. Here's the deal. Moses, in this instance here, his parents are mentioned. And especially mentioned in terms of building his faith. Now, again, if you go back to the Charlton Heston movie, it's not correct. Okay? So don't base your understanding of Scripture off of the Ten Commandment movie. Okay? But literally, when he was born, he was hidden for how long? Three weeks. Because his parents did not fear the king's edict. By faith, his parents hid him because they saw that he was beautiful. You may have a different translation. It may say that he was special or anointed. The actual word here in the Hebrew means beautiful. Okay, It doesn't mean anything else. It means beautiful. And so they noticed that he was a beautiful child. So instead of offering it, now what were they supposed to do? History shows that the Egyptians were getting scared of how many Hebrews were being born. So the Pharaoh ordered that every male Hebrew child that was born was to be what? Tossed into the what? In the Nile. And what happens in the Nile? Crocogators, okay? So, dead baby, okay? Bad things, right? So, his parents said, no, we're not going to do that. God has made this child beautiful for a reason. And I don't mean like he was like... (laughs) pretty like literally he stood out and so they knew because he stood out God must have something in store we trust God rather than the government is what his parents thought and his parents began to build his faith even as a little baby so for you and I I'm a big application guy for you and I 
How many of you came from a godly, godly home? Your mom and dad or, or mom or dad were very godly. How many of you came from a godly home? Okay. <laughs> okay. Raise your hand, okay? So here's the idea. You have a good heritage already started for you. Continue that heritage. Because your faith will play a part in your child's future. Your faith will play a part in your child's future. Some of us grew up and our parents were not godly. They did not follow Jesus. They wanted nothing to do with the church. And somehow, by God's grace and by his mercy, he's led you to a point of faith. And you go, but I don't have a heritage. You begin a heritage today. You begin a heritage today. God, I don't have a heritage, but you are mine, and I am your inheritance. You are my inheritance. So literally, from this day forward, whatever you bring, husband, wife, child, I will raise that child up in the fear and the admonition and the knowledge of the Lord. And when he's older, he won't depart from it. You set that today. Moses' parents did it. And when they did it the way they did it, it set the trajectory for the rest of his life. Isn't that what you want to do for your kids? I pray every day for my boys. Because they got my DNA in them. Bless their hearts. They are jacked up from the word go. They've got my DNA. So I know my DNA. My DNA is not oh, oh, oh. My DNA is dirt. Okay. That's my boys. And I love them to death. I pray that God does something amazing in their life. But we've set a trajectory from the time they were born. It was almost kind of like the Lion King moment. Oh, you know, It's like, this is, this is not my child, Lord. This is yours. Whatever you call my child to, I trust you, not me. Do with this child as you will. Allow his mother and I to walk with him, to, to build faith with him, and help us to do that in a way that honors you. Each one of my boys, Elliot, AJ, Tozer, same thing. We offered, and and again, we're getting ready to have a baby dedication. It's not the, the, this child is yours, Lord. Do with him as as you will. So moving on, verse 24. Moses' parents were people of faith. They hid their child. In this process, when you grew up in a house, whether your parents exemplified faith or they did not, still from birth, we should live Teach and model faith in the home. Here's a question for you, kind of as a bounce off. Whether you're a parent or not, do you live a life right now in which people would say it's modeled by faith? Can they see it? Is it legitimate? Or or are you just trying to fake it? Verse 24 says this, By faith Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. By faith, when Moses grew up. Now, grow up, literally, this is full maturity. This is a man, okay? It's not a 12-year-old. It's not a 14-year-old. This is a man. He's making decisions for himself, okay? Once he becomes a man, his faith is still there. Because by faith, he refused to be called a son of Pharaoh's daughter. Aligning himself with whom? Well, you, you got the Egyptians and you got the... The Jews, the Hebrews, okay? He knew he was in Pharaoh's house, but he was not of Pharaoh's people. His people were the Hebrews. His people were God's people. So he refused to align himself 
with what would be an awesome... I mean, dude, he'd be like in line for being Pharaoh, right? He refused to align himself with that. But by faith, trusting that God is greater than, he said no. He said, I literally want to be with my people, the people of God. So literally, if you look at this, Stephen tells us in Acts 7.23, Moses' decision, he was around 40 years old at the time. That's full maturity, right? Would you agree? I mean, for guys, I know. We we could be 40-year-olds and we're still acting like we're in middle school, right? You know? Don't look at me like I'm an idiot, okay? Guys, every single one of us. Passing gas is still funny when you're in your 40s, okay? In your 60s and 70s, it's still funny. Because we're basically the way we're built. God created us that we're children all of our life. Because of stupid things. But here you see this. At 40 years old, he refused to be in line to be Pharaoh and chose to be. His mother and father's influence was still present at Moses as he was grown in maturity. Becoming his own sense of faith. It guided him in his decision making process as you can see. Here's the thing. Some of you right now are, are, are literally owning your faith for the first time. You grew up in a household of faith. You went through middle school and high school. Maybe you were involved in a youth ministry and everything. You had all the things going on. And so, yeah, yeah, faith, 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 faith. You come to college. The first choice you have in college is to do what? Go to church or not. Especially if you're, you know, an hour, two hours, three hours away from home. Sunday morning rolls around and you go, hmm, I can sleep in. I can watch Sports Center. I can watch this. I can watch that. Or I can go to church. And you have to make a decision. And you go to church. And it's different now because you're not weighing and you're not thinking about mom and dad. Who are you thinking about? Yourself. Do I really believe this? Is this really what I believe? Or is this hogwash that I have been passed down from mom and dad, and they tell me this, blah, 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 blah. Because literally when I went to college, my first choice was not to go to church. My first choice was to go to the bar. And I thought a lot of this was hogwash. I thought religion was a way of controlling people. And so it took years for God to wear me down to a point where I realized, you know what, it's not about controlling people. It's about me having a relationship with the God that cares about me. And he desires the best for me. The best for me is his way. It is not an issue of control. It is, but it isn't. It's an issue of whether I want to turn my life over to the one that cares for me the most. So Moses here literally built off the faith of his mom and dad when he becomes a man, refuses to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Verse 25, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than enjoy fleeting pleasures of sin. Moses' decision involved the ready acceptance of oppression as he cast his lot with God's people instead of the pleasures that could be at the court. The full expression, the people of God here, seems to indicate a religious rather than nationalistic commitment. He was brought up in Pharaoh's house. He was brought up understanding the ways of the Egyptians, but he chose to go against that. It's much more about his people than it is about his, his, his government. Okay, And today, we've heard this said from this stage. A time's coming, and it's coming a lot sooner than we expect or we think, where what we're doing here is not going to be looked upon lightly. There's coming a time when a persecution is going to come in this country. 
you would never imagine. How do we know this? Scripture. (laughs) Okay? There is a great person. Right now, do you not sense the fact that people look at people who have faith or have any kind of religious inclination as being people who are evil? Have you seen this? That we're the bad guys. That somehow because we trust in a higher power, that makes us evil. I'm like... The scales have flipped in my lifetime, my 50 years of life. The scales have flipped. And some of you are going, oh, well, it's not, I mean, it's not. You don't have 40 years of experience in life, right? You've got 20. And in 20 years, you can't imagine some of the things that can take place. Some of us who are older, I mean, think about it. The stuff that goes on on TV... 20 years ago, would they have allowed it? Absolutely not. Radio commercials that I hear, I'm like, whoop, turn the channel. Time's coming. And so here, you see Moses saying, I don't care about, I want to be with the people of God. Faith has been built in my life. I'm trusting that faith. I literally want to, it applies that rather than once he saw God's call and it would come before him, It would have been sin for him to turn away from it and align himself with the Egyptians. Moses knew. He just knew deep down he could estimate their true worth of their suffering and rejection involved, aligning himself with God's people. And it contrasted with the transitory pleasures of this earth or this thing. Here's the thing. How does this align with you and I? Can you not actually see mirror what the church at Rome is going through? The people in Rome are going, we need to go back. We need to go back. We need to go back. The author here is going, you can't go back. You've got to go forward. You've got to continue with this understanding that Jesus is greater than your persecution. Jesus is greater than your suffering. Jesus is greater than the old systems. If you go back, you miss out on Jesus. If Moses went back to being simply with the Egyptians, he would live a life of luxury. But he would know all along in his heart that that was sin. He would know. Is it better to choose convenience and ease over conviction and call? That's your choice. That's my choice. It's easy to run with the crowd. It's easy to go, you know, with what everybody else is doing. It's it's hard to take a stand for what's true and what's right. But by faith, Moses stood up to that. The question is, will we... Stand up. Because that's the problem with the church today is convenience. We'll choose what's convenient over our call or conviction in a second because we don't want to go against the flow and be pointed out as being different. It's scary. Verse 26, he considered the approach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. He was looking to the reward. If you don't underline anything, underline that little phrase. For he was looking to the reward. point is made when we see this. Moses knew nothing about Christ. He knew there was a Messiah coming from Jewish tradition, but he he knew nothing about Christ. However, the author points back and says he considered the reproach of Christ because he looks at Moses' life and suffering and mirrors it with Christ's life and suffering. 
So the author points this out. He would rather do what God says than get the stuff of the world. Get everything in the world. Because I mean, Egypt at this point was the greatest nation on earth. It was the richest nation on earth. If he was the Pharaoh, he would have had all of this stuff at his command. But literally, he looked at the call of God and said, this is greater than getting and gaining all of that stuff. Because that stuff is what? It's temporal. Yeah, I may have it for 80 years. But what's 80 years compared to eternity? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Literally, Moses suffered. He suffered in this concept of having everything stripped away from him. Where did he have to go? He had to leave his country and go where? To the desert. The idea here is the writer is encouraging his readers to identify Moses and Jesus. It carried great weight with them to realize they were being called to participate in the same kind of experience and attitudes that the great man Moses had. Moses looked for the reward. He bore in mind just a consequence of his action and was not deceived by the glitter of the Egyptian courts. Think about it. History has vindicated Moses. Who was the Pharaoh Moses went against? (laughs) Who do we remember more? That Pharaoh or Moses? Moses. No questions asked. Whose name's written in history that everybody knows? Moses, not that Pharaoh. It just goes to show that literally in this idea of him simply following what God has called him to, the choice Moses made resulted in his influence still being felt. However you translate this, in this particular passage, in light of the overflowing theme of the Hebrews, Moses considered. Now, when he considered, it wasn't just a passing thought. It was well thought out. It was calculated. He got the slide rule out, okay? God of far greater worth than the pleasures or treasures of this world. It was a no-brainer for him. Here's a question for you and I. As we see this, have we truly considered Jesus being greater than all the stuff the world has to offer? Because some churches will focus on the stuff of God. Hey, God's about blessing you financially. He's about blessing you with health. He's about blessing you with wealth, with this, with that, with the other. If you truly understand the call of God, the gift of God is God. That's it. You get Jesus. That's all you need. Not his stuff. That comes as a blessing, maybe. Because if you're looking at Jesus trying to get stuff from him, Scripture completely negates that. What were these guys going through? Were they getting wealthy? Were they getting healthy? Were they getting stuff? No. For following Jesus, they got ripped from their families. They got ripped from their homes. They got ripped from their stuff. And they were getting ready to get ripped from their lives. I apologize. I'm on a soapbox right now. You preach health, wealth, and get stuff from God. I get bent. Because there's one huge thing that negates all of that. Scripture. Name a biblical character that got everything they wanted. None. You think John the Baptist got what he wanted? 
John's sitting there going, man, you know, I'm thinking about doing a book tour, and I'll go around and see Galilee. I'll maybe get a home and everything. And all of a sudden, he gets thrown in prison. And he's in prison, and he's like, Jesus, this wasn't what I was planning on. Are you the Messiah? Are you the one that's supposed to be? Or do I need to be expecting somebody else? And Jesus quotes them Isaiah. The blind will see. The deaf will hear. The mute will speak. The lame will walk. But he leaves off the last part. The prisoners will be set free. And in his communication with John the Baptist, Jesus says to him, you're not getting out of this alive. You're going to die. Am I still enough? Here, Moses and the people knew it wasn't going to be a cakewalk. And they still walked into it willingly. Because by faith, by faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king. For he endured seeing him who is invisible. By faith he left Egypt. Literally bounced. Took the people with him, bounced. Not being afraid of the king, he knew the king was going to be mad and the king was going to come after him, but he didn't fear it because he knew who was greater. God. The Old Testament has a great deal to say about Moses' close relationship with God. In fact, it says in Exodus, the Lord would speak to Moses. How? Face to face. As a man speaks with his friend. Now, now look at the person of Moses. Did Moses have anything that stood out? He had a speech impediment. He had a confidence issue sometimes. I mean, you can see a lot of things in Moses' life that you look at and you go, I don't really think that's the one that God really wants to call. I mean, you need somebody like ah, Joshua, okay? Joshua was ready to fight anything, right? Joshua was standing by the tent of meeting. He was ready. When God called him, he was ready. And what did Joshua do? Joshua took everybody out and said, let's go. Kicks him backside. They went out. Or Peter. I mean, Peter, he's a fisherman. Peter's a fisherman. First sign of trouble, what does Peter do? He lifts his sword up to kill somebody and does what? Oops. Cuts off his ear. Completely misses. Peter's the first person to open up his mouth and say the wrong thing. Okay? Peter's the first one to open up his mouth and say the right thing. And then 10 seconds later, he said the wrong thing. Peter's my guy. (laughs) You see this transition. Moses doesn't seem like, but it literally says that God spoke to him as a man speaks with his friend face to face. Think about it. For us to endure trouble, pain, affliction, all the conflict that we will, our focus needs to stay not on the visible, the things that we can see, but on the invisible, the things that we can't see. For the hearers of the sermon that were going on, they were currently enduring terrible situations. It was only going to get worse. And if they simply focus on their situation or circumstance, they're going to fall away, and they're going to fall away quickly. Here's the, here's the picture for you and I. It remains the same for us. We talk about this in our family group. What happened then still happens today. They wanted to bail on their faith. A lot of people want to bail on their faith. It doesn't change just because of time. He focused on seeing him who is invisible, seeing Christ. And then verse 28, by faith he kept Passover and sprinkled the blood so the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. The illustration here is, if you know anything about this, the edict was um, they were going to, Moses is given the final, this is it, we're leaving. Okay? And as a sign, because you keep getting stiff-necked, Pharaoh, the firstborn in the entire, firstborn male in the entire kingdom, they're going to die tonight. 
unless a lamb is slain and the blood is put up on the doorpost. What is this, the initiation of the first what? Passover. So that the angel of death would what? Passover and save the firstborn. There was nothing in this situation, there was nothing they had that, that could establish this. this. This was completely new territory. There was nothing in the previous experience of either Moses or the Israelites to justify this action. But their faith was vindicated. God said, spread the blood of the lamb, roast the lamb, eat the Passover, so it will pass over and not kill your firstborn. It was vindicated when the destroyer of the firstborn passed over and killed all the firstborns, including the Pharaoh's son. Moses had nothing to go on in this situation. This was completely new territory. But he trusted God. By faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. Can you not see Moses? Even being Moses, Moses still trusted God. What is faith? Trusting. Is God, who he said he is. Will he do all he's promised he will do? When he leads me, is he trustworthy? By faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. Moses lived, and we're looking at his reward, considering the approach of Christ greater than wealth of the treasures of the world, and not afraid to live in such a way that he angers the systems, he angers the Egyptians, he angers the Pharaoh. He simply endures, seeing him who is invisible. The question is, do we live by faith in such a way as to honor and please God, who is, and this is Colossians 1, it says this, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven, in earth, visible, invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. Ha! That right there should make you just go, uh, get some. For him. And he is before all things. In him, all things hold together. Who's it talking about? Jesus. Is he greater than? Yes. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from the dead. That in everything he might be preeminent first. No questions asked. First. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him to reconcile to him all things. Whether on heaven or on earth. Making peace by the blood of the cross. This is why he is greater than. By faith. By faith. By faith. I'll leave you with this question. And seeing all of these people. Old Testament heroes of faith. Seeing that they walked in faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. What's the conviction that that you get or gain from this? When God reveals something, he never reveals it just to simply reveal it. He reveals it with the expectation that those who hear will respond, will do. What is your conviction this morning? Moses' trajectory, all, you can see all of his life was set and marked by faith. 
his parents. His parents' faith literally instructed and infected him all the way through his adulthood when he considered these things. Moving from there, seeing what is and being focused on what is invisible versus what is visible. Going against the systems and the ways of the world because he who called him is greater than. And ultimately leading the people out and doing something no one had ever done because it had never been seen. But because he trusted God, he obeyed. What's the conviction for you and I? I don't know. I know what my conviction is. But what's your conviction? Father, as we hear your word, as we look at it, Father, I I can't, I don't know what you're going to do. You're God, I'm not. I'm simply communicating what your word says. But may we, like Moses, be people who trust in what is not seen, you, Lord. May we be oblivious to all the things that are around us because our focus is so much on you that the, the cares and the concerns, the pains, all the things that are going on in this world that can go against us and hurt us. Father, we care more about you than we care about that stuff. And I know it's tough. I've lived here 52 years. I I know how easy it is to get connected to something. But Lord Jesus, you are greater than. You are greater than. You are greater than. You are greater than. Whatever we're experiencing, may we know in our heart that you are greater than our stuff. You're greater than us. And you're greater than our situations. Help us to live in such a way that we trust you with everything. And that it's apparent to everyone we come into contact with. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.